Now, I don't need a show of hands on this. Have you ever had a life-changing, life-altering experience? Something that was life-altering, earth-shattering, and mind-blowing all at the same time. When you think about it, so much of what we do in life is based on comfort. What are we comfortable with? What is our comfort zone? And we want to make sure we stay within our comfort zone. Just as most of what we do in life is based on comfort, it's also based on our fear of losing that comfort. But sometimes things come along that are life-changing experiences. And it may come in the springtime of youth. It may come in the winter of old age or any time in between. It might be that special someone that one day out of the clear blue walks into our lives. It might be the birth of that first child or that first grandchild or that first great-grandchild. Or maybe it's getting that new job or maybe it's standing beside a newly opened grave and saying goodbye to someone who's near and dear to us. There are all kinds of life-altering experiences. But for a few minutes this morning, I want us to talk about a life-changing experience that took place in the life of Moses. It all begins one day with an encounter that Moses had with a bush that was on fire. You see, the story of Moses and the burning bush that you read about in Exodus chapter 3 is a spectacular and an amazing story. This elderly man by the name of Moses started out one morning to care for his sheep just like he had done so many, many mornings before for so many years. The very next morning, that same elderly man started out to be a leader and a builder of a nation. Now you talk about leaving your comfort zone. You talk about a radical change, a radical course of change of course in your life. That's it. Now, as you pause and you wonder, how? How did such a drastic and radical change come about in the life of Moses? How did this modest shepherd come to give up that quiet, quiet and peaceful and ordinary life that he enjoyed? How did this elderly man give up the quiet, peaceful country life that he was a part of? What would make him want to give up tending the sheep and living quietly in the country to live the feverish life of the leader of the nation? How did this silent dweller of the desert become a lawgiver and a prophet? There's only one possible, adequate, 
answer for that. And it comes from the text of our lesson this morning. It's in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Had Moses not had this experience, he would have forever been the quiet shepherd in the desert. And the Moses that we know and that we read about and we learned about as children in Sunday school would have never existed. Without this encounter, Moses would have remained Moses the shepherd tending sheep on the backside of nowhere. But it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And that day that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, it was truly a life-changing, life-altering, mind-blowing, earth-shattering experience in the life of that shepherd. You see, Moses wasn't a young man when this happened. I started to say he was an old man, but then I looked out over the audience and I said, I don't think I'll say that. But Moses was already 80 years old when that happened. Well, you know, as a general rule, men don't work and lead revolutions at 80 years old. But it says the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses. And the Lord told Moses, I've seen the affliction of my people in Egypt. And the Lord told Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And he told Moses, you're the one. You're going to bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now remember, Moses had already attempted to free Israel once before in his life and had failed. To be sure, it had been a very bitter and very disappointing affair as far as Moses was concerned. It was a bad experience. The liberation of Israel had been the dream of his life. Since early childhood, the liberation of Israel had been breathed into the heart of this man. His big life purpose, once that he'd come to the throne, was to set his people free. Well, do you remember in the story the day that Moses went to visit his people in the fields? And Moses saw the tragedy of slavery up close and personal that day. He saw an Egyptian overseer mistreating, beating a Hebrew slave. Moses couldn't bear it. It was an injustice he was not going to tolerate. He first looked around, make sure nobody's watching. And then he killed that Egyptian and buried him in a shallow grave in the sand. And as he turned from that scene, Moses felt that the blow he had just struck for his people was just. In his heart, Moses honestly felt he had struck the first blow and taken the first step toward freeing his people. He was counting on something else. 
He was counting on the loyalty of those people for whom he had struck that first blow. When the deed was done, there had been no Egyptian anywhere nearby to see what had happened. And Moses was depending on the fact that he'd killed that Egyptian and buried him in a shallow grave in the sand. He was depending on that being kept a deep secret. He felt that he was certain the Israelites would not betray someone who was risking so much for them. He was wrong. A second visit brought that to his attention and changed his mind. This time he went back to the fields and he saw a couple of Hebrews having a bit of a confrontation. And because these Hebrews were brethren, Moses wanted them to stop fussing, to stop fighting and just get along. And guess what? They didn't want Moses butting into their disagreement. Moses' interference wasn't welcome. You see, some folks just don't like it when you butt in their business. And one of the Hebrews looked at Moses and said sarcastically, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? He was even so bold as to ask Moses, You're going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian the other day? Talk about a bolt out of the blue. Talking about a slap in the face, a bucket of cold water thrown on you. Something hitting you right between the eyes. That spoke volumes to Moses. And it dashed his hopes at the same time. It made him realize something. He realized his leadership was not recognized. And he realized his leadership was not accepted. It also told him that what he had done in defense of his people wasn't appreciated. He had not aroused even the slightest bit of loyalty among those Hebrews. And he also realized those Hebrews were not people that could be depended upon. So Moses saw something else that day, and it was a great realization to him. He saw that not only were they physical slaves, they were also moral slaves. Their limbs were bound to to Egypt, and so were their souls. And he had every reason to believe that that man would betray him. So it's at that point, Moses realizes he's got only one course of action open to him. He's got to leave. He's got to flee the country. So what did he do? He left Egypt. He had his foot on the throne. He was the grandson of Pharaoh, and he turned away from the greatest kingdom in the world. And now he's comfortably situated. He's tending his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of nowhere, and he sees a bush that's burning, and it's on fire, and it's not being consumed, and that burning bush is going to forever alter the life of Moses. His early years there in Midian had been trying and bitter years. He had had plenty of time to brood over his loss, over what he'd given up. He brooded over the hopeless plight of his people, Israel. 
He suffered from his own loneliness. But by now, those early bitter years in Midian are a distant memory. They're dim back in the recesses of his mind. He's been there 40 years now. He's comfortably situated. He's married. He's watching the flocks of his wealthy father-in-law and all of that wealth is going to someday be his. We would actually say in our vernacular of the day that, well, Moses was well fixed. He was set up pretty good. But then he saw that bush. And he said, I'm going to turn aside and see this. And the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Moses heard the call of God that day. And when Moses heard the call of God that day, Moses responded to the call of God. He turned aside from the easy life of being a shepherd. And then Moses became the storm center of his people for almost half a century. And the question comes, how do you explain it? How do you explain why he traded his quiet, peaceful, tranquil life for such a hectic life? There's only one way to explain it. There's only one way to understand why Moses did it. One day, on the backside of nowhere, Moses came face to face with God. I want you to use your sanctified imagination this morning. And I want you by an eye of faith to see this picture in your mind. I want you to see it on the big screen in technicolor and surround sound. Moses is walking the paths that he's walked hundreds if not thousands of times. He's standing there, he's mindlessly watching his sheep and they're grazing peacefully. It's quiet. The sun is shining. There's a gentle breeze blowing and Moses is alone with his thoughts. And he's thinking of things that he often thinks of when he's out in the field. He's thinking about home. He's thinking about what he might be having for dinner that night, for supper that night. He's thinking about his children. Or maybe he gives a passing thought to disappointed dreams and unrealized ambitions, but that's quickly pushed aside. And then almost by chance, he lifts up his eyes and he sees a strange light on the mountainside. There's a bush there. And it appears to be on fire. And he's watching He's expecting to see it just turn to ash and fall to the ground at any moment. But to his amazement, it doesn't turn to ash and it doesn't fall to the ground. It just continues to burn. And so Moses decides he's going to turn aside and investigate. Going to see if he can find out a little more about this bush that's burning and won't burn up. And it was out of that bush that day. God spoke to Moses. here's something very important. In spite of all of his trials, 
in spite of all that he had been through, Moses had not allowed himself to become cynical. Moses had not allowed himself to become a negative pessimist. And because he had not allowed himself to become cynical, and because he had not allowed himself to become a negative pessimist, God could still speak to him. Moses hadn't lost the heart of a child. You ever notice how a child, a baby, can still can be surprised and, and laugh and clap their hands in wonder? Moses was still that way. He wasn't cynical. He wasn't jaded. He wasn't pessimistic. He wasn't a negative person. He could still be surprised. He could still clap his hands in wonder. And Moses had not allowed himself to become enslaved to things. He was still free enough to turn aside and see that great light and investigate it. That's where a lot of times so many of us fail. And that's where so many of times, so many of us miss hearing the call of God even through His Word. We won't take the time to turn aside. We're just too busy. We hurry on day after day, week after week, month after month, and we don't take time to turn aside and hear the voice of God. We don't take the time to speak to God in our secret place of prayer. We don't hear the voice of God as He speaks to us through His Word. A lot of folks are just too tired to turn aside and hear the voice of God. That's why the church sometimes just can't count on some folks. We say to them, turn aside, hear the voice of God, be in worship on the Lord's day. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard what I'm fixing to tell you, I'd be the wealthiest man in Shelby County right now. Preacher, I work six days a week. I've got to relax on Sunday. Most times I just shake my head. I say, well, one day you'll have plenty of time to relax, but you're not going to enjoy it. It's kind of like that old deal, the, the phone call from God, you know. Where the old boy is, is pretending he's on a telephone call to God. And, and part of the phone call is, yes, sir, Lord. Yes, sir. Well, Lord, you know, I can't give much to the church because, you know, Lord, i got this new, new boat and motor. i got to pay where I'm going. I won't need a boat and motor. Yeah. Preacher, I can't, I can't worship. I work six days. I've got to have some time for myself. I've got odd jobs I've got to do around the house on Sunday. I gotta have some me time. I gotta have some time to go play golf. I gotta have some time to go fishing. I gotta have some time to work in the garden. I gotta have some time to paint the garage. I gotta have some time to work on the car. I gotta have some time to go with the family to the beach. Finish the list. 
Moses wasn't like that. Moses took the time to turn aside for God. Moses still had the heart of a child. He was still able to turn aside. He was reverent. And therefore God could speak to him. And there Moses was. In the presence of God. Watching a fire that would not go out. Moses realized something. He realized that the fire that had once been in his own soul had been extinguished. Remember we talked last Lord's Day about what Paul wrote to Timothy? And he told Timothy, rekindle that fire inside your soul. Moses realized in the presence of that bush that his fire had gone out. Why? Why had the fire that once burned in the heart of Moses gone out? It was not because freedom had ceased to be desirable for the children of Israel. It had not gone out because the land of promise had ceased to exist. It was still there. It had not gone out because righteousness was no longer a precious treasure. It still was. The fire in Moses' soul had gone out because Moses quit the struggle. Sometimes in our own lives, the fire goes out. And sometimes we witness the fire go out in those around us. And we wonder where the enthusiasm of earlier years and other times and other days has gone. We wonder sometimes about ourselves and about others. Why do we no longer glow with enthusiasm for righteousness? Why do we no longer burn with indignation against things that are wrong? It's not because right is any less right. It's not because sin is any less hideous or damning. Sin is just as terrible today as it was yesterday, last week, last year. Sin is just as awful today as it was 2,000 years ago when it nailed Jesus to the cross. And Moses... Hadn't quit for lack of appreciation. Now, true enough, his people had not appreciated what he did. And something else is true. It's dreadfully hard to work without appreciation. You need it. I need it. It's a universal need of humanity. But, this is on the final exam. Write it down. While appreciation is desirable, it is not an absolute necessity. Well, a word of praise might make our day seem a little brighter. It might make our load a little lighter. A word of praise might make our climb up the hill maybe a little less difficult. But, if it is not spoken, we must still carry our burden. And we must still continue our climb. Moses, at the beginning, lacked what this bush had. The bush had the presence of God. 
Moses did not have the presence of God. In the beginning, when he struck that first blow and killed that Egyptian, Moses was trying to accomplish his task in the power of Moses. He's counting on himself and the loyalty of his people. And at that point in time, when Moses struck that blow and killed that Egyptian and buried him in that shallow grave, God was not part of the equation. When that Hebrew said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Moses didn't have an answer for him. He was only annoyed and embarrassed. Things are going to be different now on this second mission. This time Moses isn't going in the power of Moses. Moses is going in the power of God. He's going to be armed with the divine presence of God. With nothing in his hand but a shepherd's staff, Moses goes to invade the greatest nation on earth at that time. This time, with the power of God, Moses goes into Pharaoh with the conviction that God has sent him. And he won't be dumb. And he won't be ashamed when they ask him who sent him. God gave him the answer. God said, tell them, I am has sent you. God says, you tell them. Tell them that you have met your master face to face and that he has sent you. God promised him a mouth and a wisdom that Egypt could not resist. And this time, though there were difficulties everywhere, what do we read about Moses? He endured Moses endured. Moses was successful. Israel was led from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Moses was sustained by the power of God who revealed Himself to him in that burning bush. Folks, through the power of God, we can endure. Through the power of God, we can be successful. God has a wonderful place in His kingdom for us to labor. And God wants us to help and not hinder. God wants us to minister, not be ministered to. God wants us to be working and not idle. God wants us playing in the game, not sitting on the sidelines criticizing. Going in the power of God starts when we surrender our lives to the will of God. Going in the power of God starts when in trusting, obedient faith, we repent of everything that's sin in our lives, confess the name of Jesus, and are buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. And then we can fight and labor in the power of God. But we've got to make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of our lives. Because if Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of our life, he is not Lord and Master at all in our life. So whether it's to make Him Lord and Master for the first time in our life, or to make Him Lord and Master once again because we've left Him out of our plans, this is the opportunity to make changes that need to be made as we stand and while we sing.